0: Hello everyone and welcome to Kids Under Construction, I'm Donna Tatro. There are a lot of people out there, including me, cooking and baking lots of comfort food. Makes sense during this time, makes us feel a little better, right? But we do need balance and because we are moving our bodies less frequently due to stay-at-home orders, it can be beneficial to look at our nutrition. Today we are focusing on how to eat healthfully during COVID-19. How can we use this time to teach our kids about better choices? How can we make better choices for our family? It's well known that we have a serious issue in regard to childhood obesity. As a country, obesity now affects one in five children and adolescents in the United States. That's from the CDC. So let's jump right into this. I am so happy to welcome Dr. Melina Jampolis. Dr. Melina is an internist and board-certified physician nutrition specialist and is the immediate past president of the National Board of Physician Nutrition Specialists. Thank you so much for being here, Dr. Molina. Thank you so much for having me. So let's go here. How does our diet affect us, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally, especially during this extremely difficult period?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, certainly physically, I think people underestimate the immune supporting benefits of various components of the diet. So of course, we all need to be washing our hands and wearing masks and following the guidelines. But there are truly some foods and nutrients that can support your healthy immune function. So if you are fighting a a case of COVID or you're exposed to it and your body maybe is trying to get rid of it in the early stages before it can really take root, there are things that we can do. There are nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, beta carotene, vitamin D. So if you're not somewhere that gets a lot of sunlight, maybe taking a supplement. And then some interesting foods like Fermented foods, you know, things like yogurt with active cultures and kimchi and kefir um, and kombucha, and even things like mushrooms, um, either culinary or medicinal. All of these things can really work together to get you at your peak during this challenging time. And then, you know, on the emotional side, research has shown that, you know, having too much sugar and too much saturated fat can actually, you know, cause inflammation, which can affect your brain. It can cause depression. It can cause fluctuations in your blood sugar levels that are really going to make your energy all over the place. You're going to be chasing your appetite and we're already, you know, so close to our kitchen. It's so easy to just go in there 50 times a day and open and close the refrigerator 50 times. You know, if your blood sugar is low, you're going to physiologically feel that drive too. So, you know, my goal really with everyone is to try to get them to do their best. Of course, we're going to reach for comfort food. This is a challenging, we've never been through anything like this before, you know, as a nation, uh, at least not in any of our lifetimes. So, you know, there's so much that, you know, food as medicine can do for us. Um, and, and it also, I the other thing that I love to tell people is that, It's really empowering to make better choices. So we have so little control right now over our lives. I mean, rules are being dictated to us, whether we can work, whether we can go out, whether we can see our friends. The one thing, actually, the two things you have control over is what you put in your mouth and moving your body. So
0: let's talk about food first. I mean, it's it's very difficult for kids who are going in and out of the kitchen, and for parents to say, "Hey, get a banana instead of that packaged food or whatever it is," over and over and over again during the day. What I like to do is teach kids what's going into their body. So let's talk about sugars first. How many sugars? How many grams of sugar should a kid have? in their body per day. So just to educate, not necessarily that we're going to get to that achievement because it's pretty difficult to do, but talk about how you have that conversation with your kid about sugars on a daily basis, healthfully.
1: Well, first of all, in in answer to your question, how many grams, you know, that's really going to vary with each child. I mean, the World Health Organization recommends no more than 10% of your daily calories come from added sugar. So if a child is eating, let's say 1200 calories a day, again, it's going to vary a lot depending on the age of the child, but if they're eating 1200 calories a day, 10% of that is 120 calories. There's four calories per gram. So you divide that by four. So that's going to be about 30 grams of added sugar. So you have to do a little math, but that's good. We can dust off the uh, <laughs> calculators for this. And I think really the if there was one thing that I would say, and when we look at childhood obesity, probably the single biggest contributor is sugar sweetened beverages. So if you can just reduce those in your child's diet, you will be miles ahead. I think, you know, when we're looking at packaged foods and that sort of thing, it's 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 not negligible, but low-hanging fruit first is sugar sweetened beverages. How I talk to my kids about it is I really I, I don't want to villainize sugar. I don't want them, you know, to be the kids that are terrified of having a piece of birthday cake at a party. So I really try to focus on that sugar is not great for us. We can have a little bit, but focusing on what healthier foods do for our body. So with everything in nutrition, and especially with kids, you know, uh, so many of my adult patients have eating disorders or issues with sugar or different foods because their parents have kind of beaten it. No, that's a bad food. No, no, no. And the minute they get out into the real world, all of a sudden they go crazy because they want that bad food that they haven't been allowed to have. So you can't, you know, it's really, it depends on the age of a child, but you know, it's really, I try to focus, I have a five-year-old and a 10-year-old, and I'm really about too much sugar isn't going to be good for you. It's going to make your muscles not as strong and your brain not work as fast, but strawberries are going to make you stronger or banana or apple. And you know it is it does get boring and there's not a lot of fruits that we have access to you know fresh because our trips to the grocery store are limited but you can make them more fun you can jazz them up you know you could do apple slices with little peanut butter and for little kids put raisins on the end so it's like raisins dancing on so i think there's ways of doing it more creatively to integrate it into their lives and really also you know modeling the same things that work for adults if they see you If mommy's having a sliced apple, dipping it in honey and peanut butter, they're going to want it too. Maybe that won't work for teenagers. Maybe they'll just lock themselves in their (laughs) rooms. But, you know, I think that's a really important part of it. And, And then just simple stuff, really. And this is what we use in adults too. Put the less healthy snacks higher up in the cabinet where it's harder for them to get. We research in adults too, out of sight, out of mind more so. So have the fruit on the counter where they can reach it easily, make it fun, make it accessible, be creative. You could get, you know, little, um, those big toothpicks and do alternating fruits, whatever it is to make it a little bit more interesting. I do peanut butter. I slice the banana, put a little dab of peanut butter and granola. So it's like a little crunchy candy like thing. So there's, there's tons you can do. you know, I think educating them is, is a little bit harder, but so then I try to focus on with fruit, for example, that it has fiber. That's really good for your belly. And, you know, for my little one, I'm like, it'll make you go to the bathroom regularly and you don't have to worry and you'll be strong, you know? So I try to focus on the positives of good foods more than harping on the negatives of bad foods.
0: And I really like that because I, I try to use that Technique as well, because I have two boys who play sports. And so I'll ask them, you know, the choice that you're making is that the best choice for your body and for how you want to be out on the field today? So I think it's kind of bringing in that positive um, frame of reference for sure. And getting creative. Since you talked about um, how to prepare different foods, I also think it's kind of interesting at this time, at least right now you could plant your own
1: garden yeah, and that's kind of a really cool way to model, right? Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that is one of the coolest things. And I, I love seeing those commercials on TV, you know, where they're showing the gardening and, and that is really a great way of getting kids excited about eating fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables, because if if they see it grow every day and they're checking on it, they're involved. They're connected. They're excited. It's not about health. It's about creating something. And and that, that makes the spinach or the lettuce that they picked from their garden so much more exciting. And it probably tastes better too. I mean, you know, half the stuff in the grocery store has traveled so many miles and been picked before the peak of ripeness. So there's there's taste benefits. There's health benefits because vitamin C really deteriorates over time and produce. So having a garden, you know, but it's a fun thing that you can do while sheltering in place. You just have to remember to water the plants, which is also good for keeping the kids on a scale. <laughs> Right? I, I failed at that one. I already killed my first uh, plant, <laughs> giving them a sense of purpose and responsibility and taking ownership for something. I think That is one of the coolest ideas. I I don't know how I killed the first plant, but I'm optimistic. I'm going for strawberries next and we'll see how that goes. I love that. I had a disaster with a white watermelon. I thought, oh, this
0: will be really cool to grow. It did not taste good at all. (laughs) So I learned my lesson with that with my two boys, but it was huge. Okay, so let's talk about what a healthy day might look like for the family breakfast, lunch, and dinner, keeping in mind the fact that you got to have a little
1: comfort food. You got to have a little dessert. It's okay. Yeah, definitely. One of the things that I have been doing a lot um, is I've been obsessed with baking muffins for like 20 years. So that is a really fun thing to do for a convenient breakfast. Plus you can get fruit in there. So and, and I actually bake with my five-year-old. So I put either canned pumpkin or applesauce or ripe banana. So I'm, you know, ticking off. You want to start the day with whole grains, some protein, a fruit, a vegetable if you can get it. But I'm all about convenience because... It seems like no matter what in the morning, even during quarantine, things are stressful and I'm running around trying to get ready for the kids' Zoom classes and that sort of thing. So whole grains would be great. So a muffin recipe, uh, I can even give you mine to share on your uh, your page after this so everybody can try it. And also it's really fun to do, you know, as a weekend treat, you can do it with pancakes with the family. So you can even take a traditional mix. And I put in like a little bit of ground flaxseed or chia seed. I even put a little bit of protein powder in there. I have a really pretty good tasting protein powder to protein fortify it. And then I actually do chocolate chips in it. I do that in the muffins too. So it's sweet and you don't have to use all that syrup. Okay. So stuff like that is really fun for starting the day. The other thing that you can do that's really easy, and it's a great way of getting vegetables in in the morning is you could do like Uh, muffin cups. You know, you could bake uh, a bunch of muffin cups with veggies in them, whatever your family will eat and sprinkle with a little Parmesan. And then it's heat and eat every morning. So I'm all about making my life easier during quarantine. It's stressful enough for everybody. So, but those are both protein and whole grains and if possible, fruits and vegetables in the morning, I think is a great way to start the family day off.
0: I'm wondering, as you move into lunch and dinner, is, is there a better time to stop eating because we're so much more sedentary now, um, unable to go about our usual
1: daily lives? That's a great question. And this is something that came up even before COVID. I, we can't even remember back then. But in terms of you know the time-restricted feeding, the research on that, so the intermittent fasting, has a lot of different names. Time-respected feeding is one of them. And the best way of doing that when it comes to your metabolism, and when I'm talking about metabolism, I'm talking more about blood sugar metabolism and insulin resistance, your body's ability to manage your blood sugar. And that can really deteriorate quickly when we're hyper-sedentary. So the best window that's been shown for improving insulin resistance and blood sugar metabolism is 10 to 6. So if you are going to do intermittent fasting, that is the best window. Um, obviously, it's harder to do, but the sooner that you can close the kitchen down, the better. that That's really, so you've got to go with your family's schedule. I mean, again, I'm not recommending intermittent fasting for kids necessarily, although I do have some teenagers that are just not breakfast eaters that do do well on it because it works naturally with their lifestyle. But in general, you know, I don't recommend any sort of dieting to kids or teenagers. But yeah, so the earlier that you shut down the kitchen, the better. So you cannot just keep grazing during your binge watching of Netflix because that kind of adds insult to injury. Let's talk a little bit about the stress eating, not only in adults,
0: but in children. What are you hearing? What are you seeing? What's
1: it like? I feel like The children that had an issue before are the ones that are really struggling now. I feel like, you know, regular kids, it's just uh, that didn't have issues with eating necessarily or stress eating or even stress management. I mean, they're a little stressed out, but it's not really turning to binging. Whereas kids who struggled with anxiety and maybe stress eating before, it's really heightened. With this continuous access to food being in the home environment, which is different from the school. So, I mean, I think it's challenging for the parents of those kids, and they really have to focus as much on the behavioral part of giving their children kind of a toolbox for handling the stress and emotions. And then, you know, I think having planned snacks that are enjoyable is important, you know, not forcing your kid to have celery if they're feeling like snacking. Um, But I think then it really goes into, you know, the, the stress side of it, the behavioral side of it. I mean, I'm doing this. My kids don't have eating issues at all, stress eating, but you know, they have with anxiety. And I, even with my five-year-old, I mean, we sit down sometimes when he gets really worked up and I'm just like, okay, sweetie, we're just going to do some deep breathing. I want to sit, you sit with your legs crossed, breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth for 30 seconds and let's just talk about what's going on. So I think, I know we have a lot as parents on our plate, especially working parents, but this is a time where, um, you know, our kids really need us to be there for them, especially if they have eating issues. And then, you know, not depriving them completely because then it's going to build up and they're going to be sneaking food in their room. And so Really, it's going to be different with each child, but finding that balance of giving them some comfort food, but then other outlets for comforting or managing anxiety.
0: Yeah, it seems like it it is a, a very difficult task. And what I'm hearing you say is that moderation, really talking to your kids about what's happening, not pushing anything, not restricting anything too hard but really trying to talk and, and the breathing, the meditation is there too. What do you talk about? How do you talk to kids about picky eaters, kids who are choosing not to eat?
1: That's tough too. I actually, um, I just gave a, uh, a nutrition lecture yesterday at a, um, a shelter for single women and their children. And that was one of the questions that came up. I mean, You know, these kids already have a bit of food insecurity in the first place, and um, she's really challenged by a picky eater. You know, I think that's the. It's really the same strategy. It's it's working with your kids, not against them. So it's making it fun. Again, it depends on the age of the kid. Picky eaters tend to be a little bit younger, but I think it goes back to everything that we've talked about trying to make it more engaging. I mean, maybe it's a little um, bingo card where they check off when they try something new. Um, and then if they don't like it, then move on, you know? And and you, again, being a little bit more creative. I mean, and I do at times resort to sneaking vegetables in when I can. So, you know, I really do, um, just for simplicity's sake too, because I'm not the greatest cook, you know, I will put... Uh, a little bit of spinach in my tomato sauce before in, and put it in the NutriBullet and then the kids never know the difference. Or in, right, you know, so pasta sauce, pizza sauce, uh, even putting a little bit of sweet potato in mac and cheese. So doing whatever you can, uh, you know, as a parent to, you know, the bottom line is we just want them to get the nutrients that they need. And so, you know, finding ways, and there's there's books out there, you know, Sneaky Chef and Deceptively Delicious, that can help you tap into, I even made brownies with blueberries and spinach and they tasted awesome. And the kids didn't know anything. So there's ways of, I mean, obviously you want the kids to choose healthier choices, but there's also ways that you can incorporate them. And, and again, it's, it's not, it's trying to find a way to, you know, meet them where they are and go forward towards your goal together and having it be a team effort. Like, what if we baked? And, you know, maybe we could find a way of doing, you know, we can put chocolate chips in the muffins. We just have to do some healthy stuff, you know, things like that. It's certainly more challenging. And, uh, you know, most of, one, one of my kids doesn't eat protein. The other one doesn't like fruits and vegetables. So it's a constant, you know, struggle back and forth. But, I think it just takes a little bit of patience and then finding the things that work and sticking with them. Well, and that's, I think that's a
0: really important message because it's kind of working in conjunction of teaching the healthy choices, but then making sure it kind of gets in. And I mean, I remember one time we, my older son and I snuck something into a food for my little one. They're only a year apart, but just kind of getting fun with it and just, Mm -hmm. and just going with like what you're saying, going with where they're at at this point.
1: Yeah. And that would be, you just made me think of something really fun. Like, I mean, you could sneak something in and then have the child like, guess. is he pick and then, if they guess right and they let, then they win a prize or something or an extra five minutes of iPad, like make it fun, make it engaging. You know, the more you can not be judgmental and critical. And, and, you know, for me, the less I can yell at my kids in quarantine, the better, right? (laughs) Exactly.
0: Exactly. So I was looking over some of the things that you've been working on. And I like this, uh, section about shopping smart. How do you shop smart right now during quarantine? Tell us your thoughts.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's important, obviously, because we have limited grocery store time. So you really have to think through your week a little bit more, which I have to be quite honest. This has been really challenging for me because I am not organized. I am so not that mom who has her act together that... Has, oh, the dinner is five, you know, seven days a week and what I'm gonna do with my kids' lunches. Me so. either. <laughs> am, that is so not me. So I, I mean, I think the biggest thing that I've had to do or learned to do myself is to get organized on the fruits and vegetables. And because that's really gonna be the biggest issue, right? So making sure that you're buying a combination of fresh, frozen, and even canned so that you can go through the entire period until your next grocery store visit and really thinking about it. So for me, if I'm getting strawberries, uh, you know, with fruits, you know, strawberries, berries, you're going to want to have on the first three days, let's say, and then the second three days, maybe that's where apples can come in and then bananas or oranges. So having a plan like that, and even, you know, with corn, I, I got, I've never bought frozen corn on the cob before and I bought it now to have it in the freezer so that I can alternate between fresh and frozen. And so I think I even bought canned spinach. I have yet to work with it, but I have it just in case. So I I think that's where we really, um, it, it helps to be organized. And then just have a few recipes and things in stock like canned beans, because you can drain them, get rid of the salt, and then you can be very creative with that. Um, and then with, you know, the meats having a combination, I think it's just getting that balance of fresh and frozen because um, there really are good packaged foods and there's some really tasty ones that um, work well. So I think shopping is really about organization a little bit more than we're probably used to, but it pays off in, in space over the long term.
0: Okay, cool. That sounds good. That's a really good plan. Let's talk about moving more.
1: <laughs> how do we do this i mean this is for me like the biggest thing it's so funny because i've really been um monitoring my um apple watch a lot to see the difference in oh. just calories burned just so i could really speak to that and it is dramatic i mean you don't realize how many steps you are taking going to your car going to the office dropping your kids off at school going to the mall with your kids there's so much what we call NEAT, non-exercise adaptive thermogenesis. We have so much NEAT during the day normally, under normal circumstances, that actually burns far more calories than going to the gym for an hour a day. So being active throughout the day, if you do nothing else, this is also for the insulin resistance when we talk about metabolism and inflammation in the body. I mean, I will... I am the nut job that's on my like work Zoom calls. I put, them on my, I put my computer on my kitchen counter so I can be doing like lunges and leg lifts and different dips. I, my kids, <laughs> the kids could do that too, right? I mean, I, I do, we have every hour I go in, everybody has to get up and do like five minutes of, you know, stretching or sit-ups or something. I force, I go back and get my husband who's been working 20 hours a day I make him get up. You can just, you can set your mic. If you don't have a fitness watch, set your your phone, your microwave, I don't care. Get up every hour and move. That's really key. And also what's important, if you can do any sort of strength training, because muscle burns more calories 24 seven. So if you can work on building more muscle mass, even in your kids, um, it will really, it will help burn more calories 24 seven to offset the drop in our daily calorie expenditure. So, and it does not have to be complicated. I mean, at this shelter that I was at yesterday, I showed how to do push-ups. You can start with them against the wall. Then you can graduate to the knees and then you can graduate to full body. You can do lunges in place where you just do one leg, then bring it back. One leg, bring it back. So you really only need a, you know, three square foot space. You don't need a lot of room. And then sit-ups. And then you've really worked almost every major body part doing that a few times a week. And you're really good to go. You may be get even fitter than you were before uh, quarantine. <laughs> you come out looking like a model. <laughs> That's right. You come out looking like a supermodel. Are your two kids and your husband listening to that every hour get up? <laughs> my youngest has now started. My husband set up this thing in the back. He's doing like... 20 pull-ups. I mean, he's a fit. That's all he does is train. He does his training every day. Um, my my older one, that, my husband's been the most challenging. Let's put it that way. He's definitely been the most challenging. The kids are pretty much on board. Uh, the husband isn't so good. He's always, and I keep telling him, stand up during some of your Zoom calls. He's on 10 work Zoom calls a day. I'm like, just get off your butt. But But I do try to drag them out walking the dogs at least twice a day, you know, with appropriate distancing and all that stuff. Well, that's funny because
0: it's the reverse here because my husband is up with the boys. They're doing their thing. They're in the pool. And it's I'm the lazy one a little bit here. Um, And, you know, when I cook, I love to have a glass of wine. Talk a little bit about that now and alcohol consumption during this time what are your thoughts
1: yeah i uh, i'll tell you the first month of quarantine i was just out of control we all were in shock yep we really didn't know how or what to do so it was like i mean i don't know that there was a night that i didn't have a glass of wine or yeah. a margarita or whatever i mean it was after the first month when i realized that things weren't going to change anytime soon. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to come back to my practice, you know, 15 pounds, 19 pounds heavier. Um, that would not have been good. Right. Um, so I've, I've really, um, you know, cut back to, to back to my normal, which is weekends. But I think, you know, we have to consider a few things with alcohol. Again, if we're just naturally burning, Uh, you know, several hundred fewer calories a day, and that glass of wine has, you know, 120 to 150 calories, Uh, you know, that's uh, 500, four to 500 calories a day that you're not burning and that you're consuming more. That's a pound a week. So, you know, I leave it to everybody. You know, if that glass, one glass of wine is not a big deal. It's not I mean, if that's it, if you can make an effort to move more, that's going to be fine. But I do think that you know it is. Yes, it does have antioxidants. Um, <laughs> but uh, well, let's focus on the positive again. You know, but I, I think um, I think you have to be very careful to offset it in your activity or trim calories slightly. And so that, but that could be easy. Like I'm all about little things, right? So if you just had. 50 calories less at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, boom, you've earned your glass of wine. So it's just, you know, a tablespoon less serving sizes of various things. So I think it's easy to build it in, but you do have to be aware of it to make those adjustments so that it doesn't slowly lead to weight gain.
0: So do you think that there's kind of this uh, potential here to really learn how to refocus our eating? Because- We're cooking so much more. We're having to meal plan so much more. Do you see this as a potential reset maybe on how we eat or is that going too far?
1: I think it could be very cool because I I mean, if if that... Did happen. I think that would be great because we know that when people eat out, they eat giant portions and often you don't know what's in it. It could be a thousand calories in the sauce. It could be 50. You don't know. So um, I, I think it's a great way of bringing the family you know, together and having more and people maybe are realizing, hey, I can make food taste good. Uh, I can, it's more economical, uh, you know, where I can be with my family and not in a, we're not going to be in restaurants for a while. So, I mean, it could, again, I go back to the empowering thing. Like, you know, one of the biggest contributors to stress is not having control over your situation. And I feel like with the food, we really could have control. You you really can. And so kind of bringing the family together. And I mean, maybe it's even, I don't know how old your kids are, but even getting them to start cooking. I mean, I literally, my five-year-old is now dicing green beans. I know that's probably not safe. You know, it's fun. And, uh, you know, I just got to keep them out of the emergency room.
0: Right, exactly. No, but that, and I like that. My my boys are 11 and 12 and they have been in the kitchen more. My 12-year-old more so um, with a lot of uh, concoctions that aren't always coming out, right? But I'm like, just go for it, do it, have fun and try to figure it out. Is there anything that I haven't talked
1: about or I haven't asked you about that you think is important for people to know? First, I think it's important to look at, you know, health and nutrition and well, like holistically. So I, I do think that you need to, First and foremost, you know, give yourself a break, especially as moms and even with our kids. Like, let's all give each other a break. You know, this is I think sometimes I don't realize how stressed my 10-year-old really is because he's not very vocal about it, but this is a whole new paradigm for everyone. So, you know, step 1, don't be too hard on yourself, but but really trying to, you know, as we get farther and farther along you know, trying to maintain some sort of a schedule, some sort of a normalcy in your life. You know, trying not to have too much screen time, but don't be too. You know, all this this balance. I really believe in lifestyle medicine. So that's you know, stress and 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 sleep and and connecting. You know, and and um, we've been connecting via Zoom with distant family members that we never did before. So I think that all. As much as you can, trying to uh, be positive in this, and really take a look at at all your family's health holistically, and and nutrition is certainly part of that, and movement and exercise, connecting, you know, strengthening the family bond. I, I think it's all part of the equation, and and it will help them in all other aspects of their life. But um, you're this could be a really unique time in our history. And and when it's all over, we may really reflect on it. I mean, not positively necessarily for all bankrupt, but certainly from a a family unit standpoint uh, and a health standpoint, I think there's an opportunity to to do a lot of good uh, right now. And so just you know, be positive. I'm not Pollyanna every day. I'll probably be crying in my closet drinking vodka later tonight, but it's, no, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, but I, I do think I, I try to keep pulling myself back to, to, you know, being positive myself and also for my kids because they're, they're sensing what I'm feeling. And, you know, so I think that's an important part of, of the whole equation.
0: I feel the same way. I feel the stress that might be coming on to me, if I'm not really aware of it, it's going to fall onto them. And I do like the idea, though, of this revival of the family dinner that so many of us have missed out on because of kids going everywhere, parents going everywhere, working and this and that. So I think that there are some positives here that we can take away from it. I um, want to know, what are you going to be eating for dinner tonight? Or is that just a trick question for you right now? <laughs>
1: I am very spoiled because my husband does most of the cooking for dinner because I really am not, I'm very culinary challenged. So um, I think he's doing beer can chicken tonight. And the kids think that's hysterical when the uh, bird has to have the beer can in its private places. So, um, and then we'll probably, uh, I always get a bunch of pre-made salads from Trader Joe's or the salad kits that I can just quickly put together so we'll probably we've been doing pretty well with keeping it clean but we do have dessert most nights i'm not going to lie <laughs> we have dessert too we do the little mini ice cream cones that i'm obsessed with you know i like to uh get treats every uh, every night i mean my kids are so active too it's uh it's my husband that I have to worry about. I find, you know, I have to hide the, the treats from him. The kids are fine. They don't get it without my permission, but the husband kind of does. So I hope he doesn't listen to this when it comes out.
0: (laughs) Tell me where can people find you and find all your information and amazing insight? Well, thank you. Yeah.
1: Well, you can find me at, uh, drmelina.com or you can find me on Facebook, and Instagram. I'm not that great with social media, but I do my best and it's at Dr. Molina. So I try as much as I can to kind of share as much information, but I've been a little overwhelmed with work and homeschool during this quarantine. So I haven't been as active, but, um, I really do enjoy, you know, helping people. So I, I love connecting anytime. Thank you so much. It's been so nice to speak to you. My pleasure. It's been great speaking to you as well. Take care. Bye.
0: There's lots of great information here. Remember, Dr. Molina says, and I couldn't agree more, bring the whole family into the equation and make it a learning experience on healthier eating and living. Use what you have at home to create a healthy lifestyle, including exercise, getting up every hour and moving. Thanks for listening, everyone. And please download and subscribe to Kids Under Construction And you can find me on Instagram at Donna Tatro. We will get through this together. Until next time.